Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're in episode 201. We're happy you could join us. We got a, a good line of topics here and we got the OG crew ready to do our thing. So let's start at the top of the list with Sarizel. I am uh, Sarizel and I'm eating uh, Thin Mints because I can. How many boxes did you buy? Well, I bought like a case this year and then I just got another box. So now I have more. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, Bait, you're up. Hey, everybody. What's up? My name is Bait. I am a Florida man, and uh, I'm drinking water. That's usually a good idea. Um, just don't, don't hit the bath salts too hard, buddy. But uh, hydration is good. How All warm day, is it there? Every day. Is it warming up there? Yes. Yeah, thankfully. It was, um, let's see, what was it, 84 today? It was great. Okay, not bad. How's your humidity at? Um, I don't know, same old, same old, I reckon. Just swimming in a swamp. Yeah, yes. I realize that while I'm going to be gone in, in Iceland for, for E-FanFest, it's going to be basically 40 degrees the whole time and raining every single day. So I'll get the full the full uh, Scandinavian experience. It's going to be great. All right, Jay, you're up, man. Hey, guys. Uh, Jay here. I'm also one of the uh, purveyors of the Mighty uh, Biomass Media Empire. And uh, I've been playing some games, had a pretty good Easter weekend, had a lot of family up. Uh, we did have a... You know, bit of a marathon movie run, catching my mom up and some other family members on uh, shows that they haven't seen. So hit uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and then we hit uh, the two new uh, Star Wars movies, uh, Force Awakens and then The Last Jedi, uh, kind of all in you know, big, big, huge Netflix-style movie binge, uh, which was, was pretty cool. Uh, and then other than that, I've actually been... Uh, getting into a variety of uh of different mobile games and uh and, and i've got one we'll talk about in kind of game reviews a little bit later but uh, stepped stepped pretty hard into the wayback machine with diablo 3 uh Ooh. with my wife actually what class do you play uh i'm running a wizard right now she's running a demon hunter nice that game's that game's pretty good i uh i think there's a big expansion that i hadn't had a chance to try there's, but yeah uh, there's a there's a that we we picked we picked up the uh, it's called the Eternal Collection. It's basically the the super downloadable, and we're playing it on console on PS4. Which uh, having played Diablo many you know off and on for a long time since Diablo One came out, I got to tell you the console version way better. It, it's surprisingly good. I played the I played Diablo Two on PC obviously, and then I played it three on PC, and then I picked up uh, I think it was the the the. The Reaper edition, what, like they had the first expansion yeah. with it. Um, Reaper Souls, yeah, 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 that one. And uh, we put that on PS4. Um, kind of when Lithia was getting back into gaming, and it was kind of giving it a shot. And yeah, the the console version is surprisingly good. Like you expect it to not work that well, and they just made it work really well. Well, I was very it impressed is Blizzard. I mean, and yeah, I mean, true, I, true. Don't want to don't want to get into it too deep because we'll we'll talk about it deeper in the show. But the suffice it to say, uh, I. I never thought about playing Diablo on the console because I was very used to playing it mouse keyboard style on a on a desktop. Uh, I'm I'm utterly sold right now. There's just you know I'll I'll leave that until we get into the kind of the review of it. But cool. I am 100% on board for uh, for Diablo on console and and I should have known has Blizzard in the title probably probably should have trusted. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a bit here. Uh, but I am Pokey Draven. I help host the show here, and I do the Dungeon Crawl series with Livy and uh, all that good stuff. So, without much further ado, let's get started. So, Zell, uh, what's going on with this uh, new Mutants movie you mentioned right before we started here? Um, They delayed it another six months again. Like, I believe it was originally supposed to be an early 2018 movie, and now it's like a fall 2019 movie. Um, So... 
originally it was supposed to be like a horror movie take on um the the x-men franchise and then uh i guess they they screened it they finished the movie they screened it and they decided it wasn't scary enough and so they're gonna reshoot like half the movie now oh and this has been delayed before you said yeah i I think it was originally supposed to come out this year wow yeah because i think i remember we talked about this initially when the first reports came out we were kind of keen on how well x-men would translate into a horror film apparently the answer is not very well (laughs) we had trailers for this movie i i I thought it was like a teaser teaser they they had a trailer for this movie in theaters if i remember yeah it was uh, i saw it uh, it featured one of those like slow sort of like emo versions of like brick in the wall yeah uh it it was if you did not know, it was one of those, I think we talked about it briefly on the show, if you did not know that it was supposed to be an X-Men mutants flavored movie, you would not know. you think it's a cheesy B-movie, B-horror movie. And that's exactly when, uh, when we talked about it initially. That's exactly what you said on this show, Jay. And I feel like, you know, when they're talking about reshooting stuff because it's not quote-unquote scary enough, that kind of makes, that kind of solidifies to me, at least, what kind of movie this is going to be. Right? Yeah, I'll buy that. Which no, I think you're spot on. Which is really unfortunate because you know movies that are like that they are B tiered horror movies for a reason. They're they're not good usually. So I, I a part of me kind of doesn't want to see this movie go down that route because I think that this is something that that is kind of interesting. This idea of blending a, a quote unquote superhero movie, if you will with a horror movie. I don't think we've seen that before. And if we have, it wasn't done very well. Um, but, but that's just me. Um, I hope it, I, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But at the same time, you're not wrong. I don't think I will be wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, when you've got a reshoot, like you said, bait, because you know, it's not scary enough. I, I feel like the formula is just not mixing well mm-hmm. and they're going to try to make it better, but you know how it goes. Well, you know, and if you're like, shooting half a film, that says a lot about how bad the first shot was. Yeah, exactly. Half a movie is not like, oh yeah, it's just a couple of scenes or whatever. It's like, dude, that's half of your movie that you either could not get your idea to translate very well, so you decided, eh, let's try this again. Like, to to put it in perspective, they actually state uh, they are replacing their villain who was going to be played by John Hamm with Antonio Banderas. Uh, so they're, that's they're, not helpful. That is, there is a, there's, like a whole, like, there's like a whole main casting swap here oh. involved in this. That's kind of weird because John Hamm is generally, you know, he's kind of in the in the good list of actors nowadays. And Antonio Banderas is definitely making straight to video movies right now he was in like all the spy kids movies right yeah he was that was i think one of the last things he had like the hit mainstream uh theatrical release i mean if you look at most of what his filmography is right now it is it's literally like straight to video straight to netflix kind of action movies see does he do like asylum stuff Ah, got me, man. I just, I just know when you look at all the free movies on my queue and Netflix and Hulu, he's in a lot of them. It's, it's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look, but it's probably all asylum. We're talking John Hamm, right? No, no Antonio. Antonio Banderas. John Hamm's actually, he's still, he's still marketable, man. I mean, people are, people have, people throw his name around a lot. For I was gonna say, stuff. yeah, because he was in, um, he was in um, that thing that just escaped. He, let me put it this way. He is, other than The Rock, he is the the most 
named guy that could be pick your superhero in a DC or Marvel movie. Like when you look at all the like, who who are they casting? Everybody's talking about John Hamm. Yeah, I can see that. He's got the look. But, yeah, big uh, square jaw dude. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. He fits it. He fits it. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> it looks like the new release date for this one's set for August second, two thousand nineteen. So it is it is way off, like a long time from now. So we won't be seeing this for well over a year, which is pretty crazy. Okay. So moving along here. Uh, these guys didn't do their homework. I did, though. I went and saw Ready Player One this weekend. So, as per our Biomass rules, we will not spoil anything um, at all for at least two weeks after the release of the film. But I did kind of want to give my, you know, first thoughts, opinions, like my general, you know, what did I think of the film. So, here we go. Uh, so, Ready Player One is... Ready Player One is basically takes place in the near future where... And they don't really get into it much in the film. Oh, and to, for clarification, I have not read the book. So my perspective is for someone who knows very little about the book other than, you know, it's its premise and, you know, that's about it. So it takes place in the near future uh, where people are basically overpopulated. There's just, you know, you're, you're crammed in. There's not much space. And so people turn to this virtual world called the Oasis. And it's basically because VR get up where you can, you know, project yourself into this virtual world and you do, you know, various things to kind of escape from the mundane, you know, reality of your life. And the entire world is pretty much based around what goes on in here. So the idea is, is that you have coins that you earn from various activities, but if your character dies, you lose everything, like your entire Everything you own in the game is gone. Your money, your possessions, it just drops on the ground and somebody can, you know, pick it up and now your stuff is theirs. And people actually make money doing things in the Oasis. So you can actually trade in, you know, your your credits, your coins for real world items, which are then, you know, delivered via Amazon drone, which drops it pretty much in your front doorstep. So needless to say, people basically live in this thing and they spend almost all of their time playing this game effectively because everything is done through this game. You know, you work, you, you know, you play stuff. It, it, it's your primary source of income in many cases and how you actually survive. So needless to say, you're in there all the time because that's what you do. So this follows the a guy named Wade Watts and he is you know involved and he's a gunter and the gunter is someone who is basically an easter egg hunter so the creator of the game has died and said hey there's this contest that if you find these three keys it will lead you to this easter egg and whoever finds the easter egg gets to you know inherit full control of the oasis and gets like some absurd amount of money basically so naturally everyone wants to figure out these puzzles necessary to you know get these keys and get the easter egg because having control of the oasis is basically control of the economic center of the world which is you know obviously a pretty big deal and this has been going on for about five years so people haven't you know found anything yet and they've been struggling to, to solve these puzzles to get you know forward and that sort of thing so i won't get into the main plot details but basically wade wade watts um who is parzival in the game uh, starts to kind of figure these out. So the movie is about his path through these puzzles and that sort of thing. And it kind of ends in this commentary talking about, you know, escapism, which is basically what uh, the movie is ultimately about is, you know, these people are using this to escape from their, their real lives, but to like the most extreme extent. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it does a good job at that, I think. Um, and I kind of, 
looked at this movie in two different lights. Like one, how is it as a nostalgia machine and how is it as, you know, a movie by itself? So for a movie by itself, uh, it was pretty solid. You know, um, my biggest complaint was probably you can tell it was adapted from a book because certain parts, it's not that they felt like broken. It's just that they were rushed in that things developed, particularly how characters interact with one another um, in a way that was too fast. Like they kind of like, Hey, we got to get this like iconic scene from a book in the movie. Kind of kind of. Yeah. Like these two characters have a relationship that forms over time, but it happens way too fast. If you're looking at it from like, when the events take place in, in the movie. Like, you could tell that that was probably over several chapters um, in the book. It, it wasn't like it ruined it. It was just kind of like, mm, that's a little cringy because it, it seems like you haven't known this person long enough to be around them like that. So that showed um, that was probably unavoidable, though. But for you know what it was, they smoothed it out fairly well. Um, but it is noticeable, so be warned that... It, did you read the book? I've got to ask. No, you're, I, you're did not, I did not read the book, okay. no. Um, but you can tell that it was adapted. Okay. So no, 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 I was just, I was actually kind of curious if, if you, if you had read the book in terms of how, it, it, you know, how well it follows the kind of the narrative of the book, you right? Know, versus, you know, kind of doing its own thing. Which, for the record, I'm actually usually relatively okay well, uh, okay with if it's done well. So I don't, I don't need a shot for shot remake of a book. If if they change it as long as it's done well, I was just kind of curious if you if you yeah. had a read on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I can't speak for how well it it, it follows because I don't know the source material, but sure. I'm kind of with you typically that I understand that changes have to be made when you adapt something, and I'm okay with reasonably well done changes. Um, from what I could tell in this, it it didn't feel awkward from the perspective of someone who hadn't seen it before. Uh, I'd be curious to see someone who has read the book what they thought, but it'll it'll be interesting to see how that that kind of develops. Um, but yeah, so the in terms of that, that's kind of my biggest gripe with it. What I did like, uh, visuals are incredibly on point. Uh, it's just it's over, not I don't say over the top, but it's just bright. It's colorful. There's tons of cool effects going on the screen. It, it's enjoyable to watch visually. Uh, they did a very good job with that. And, you know, they, they kind of lean into this. It's a virtual world, so it doesn't have to look photorealistic because it, it wouldn't. You know, you've got literally like Superman walking next to, you know, the Hulk next to Iron Man next to, you know, uh, some anime character. It's not going to all look uniform, you know. So they, they kind of lean into this. It looks like realistic in the fact that it's stylized, but they're not trying to make it look like real life. And I think that kind of right. helps make it work because otherwise stuff would look kind of weird. So did a good job of the visuals. Um, pacing felt pretty good in the story. I like that. Uh, the message it had was pretty solid. And I, I like the idea of, you know, fight the man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got you. No, it was, it was more of the, you know, it's okay to kind of escape from reality. Just don't overdo it um, because that comes with its own issues. And, and uh, there's a few lines that I want to spoil, but it kind of, they do a good job at world building when you kind of realize how out of touch people have become with the world because they've spent so much time in the Oasis that they don't even know really where they live most of the time in, you know, the real world, which is kind of crazy. Um, They do a good job with that. Uh, The acting I thought was pretty solid, actually. Um, you know, sometimes you get some some bad moments, but I, I there weren't really any cringeworthy moments aside from the ones that were kind of meant to be because the kid's kind of a dork, so you, you come to expect it. Um, but overall, it was it was a 
it was really a solid flick, and I think it, it does push a good message, which is actually pretty pretty relevant right now. I think because you know there's a lot we've as a uh, society kind of pushed a lot more into uh, you know technology and that sort of thing, and it's kind of this warning to like you know it's okay to kind of go into this stuff, just make sure you don't forget what's you know actually important, like you know living your life, uh, and that's that's a good message. So I like that. Uh, as for you know the references and that sort of thing, you know. It is it is not the forefront like I thought it would be. Um, they actually very rarely name drop anything. Um, there's probably like if I count on maybe maybe two hands, you know, the number of times they name drop a specific reference. Usually, it's a big scene where they've just crammed everything you can think of into the background. Um, so it's not distracting, but if you are looking for it, you can spot it. But it's so dense that it's like, you'll see stuff for like one or two seconds. And there's probably 50 characters on the screen. And if you're looking at the left side of the screen, you're going to miss the ones on the right because there's just not enough time to see everything. So it's definitely kind of that rewatchability where you can see it again, spot new things, watch some cool YouTube breakdowns. Um, it's going to, be like that. So we, we had a good time trying to like, oh yeah, we saw that or that. Oh, I didn't see that. That was cool. Um, but there were some moments too where it was like front and center like, you know, uh, we we're trying to showcase this one thing in particular. Like, it's not a spoiler because it's in the trailer. Like, the Iron Giant is is a pretty a pretty big part of it. You'll see him be uh, a big part of, of several scenes. So, you get a little bit of both, um, but I really liked it. I thought it was well done. It wasn't is like it wasn't like they were trying to just say hey we licensed a bunch of like 20 different things and just wanted to sh- throw them at you to try to you know it's, you know melt the nostalgia money well you know integrated is, is what it sounds like you're describing. yeah it was well integrated like i said it was very much in the background most of the time so it's kind of a if you want to look for it it's there but don't it's not going to be crammed down your throat so i thought that was well done well i mean that's actually kind of a cool i was sitting there thinking thinking through it as you described that that's i mean that was one of the things that made the the ernest klein novel you know particularly good but like the time frame and when the climb not climb novel came out was also um you, you know the the internet and sort of that, that sort of burgeoning artificial you know sort of or virtual life was was very much concept when we're starting to see the ink the, the inklings of it for real now uh but all of those things that you're describing which he just he goes into great detail in the book by the way he you know he's he goes into like significant detail uh, d- describing certain things in the book um that I that, that probably in some cases did and did not make it in the movie depending on licensing, uh, but it, that was actually one of the characters of the book was just the world of Oasis with all of these things that you saw from you know, pick your pick your pop culture reference. Uh, so that that was one of the things I was kind of interested in see how well they did that if or if it was just like a big let me just throw Easter eggs on the screen just to to blow your eyeballs up or was it sort of well well integrated like that? Yeah, and they don't they don't throw it in your face very often. I mean, there's there's a couple scenes where you can tell they're just trying to like cycle through, you know, a, a couple like iconic weapons or characters or whatever. But it's not overdone, you know, and it it, it fits the timing is is good on it. Um, yeah, well integrated is a, way, a good way to put it. I think it was done quite well. Um, and I I'm, I'm about to pick up the book and actually read the book and see. 
how it compares, but you know, as far as I can tell for this adaptation, it was good. And it, it's got stuff for everyone is the thing is that they've, they've modernized it to a point where people, you know, kids this day, like tracers in it, for example, you'll spot tracer, you know, kids these days are going to see that, understand that reference, but there's some much older references. Um, some of the major plot points are much, much older references to a point where my brother was like, well, what the hell are they talking about? I'm like, Oh no, I know this. And I was like, it's this, this, and this. He's like, oh, okay. Um, so it, it's a wide, wide age band that it's going to cover. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff for people of all ages. If you've been at all of all the pop culture and it's not just gaming, it's not just comics. There's, you know, anime, there's, um, other stuff, you know, it, it's, it's all over the place. So there's a little bit of something for everyone that you can, probably pick any person that is involved or knows about pop culture at all from pretty much from like alive, like now enough to see the movie to like, you know, elderly, they're going to find at least something in the film that they can relate to, which is pretty cool. They did a good job of kind of making it a nice wide band. um, At least from what I could tell. Um, Pretty good. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing this. Yeah, yeah. So it would, you know, like I said, I kind of looked at it in two different lights, the nostalgia machine versus, you know, kind of the, the quality of the movie. Um, I'd probably say eight out of 10 on both on both fronts. It was, you know, I think that there were some some issues with some of the adaptation. You know, it was noticeable, unfortunately, but not, you know, ruining the movie, but it was still a really solid movie. So I, I'd probably give it a good eight out of 10 overall um, with the caveat that it the antagonist of the game has a one line that is basically the best personification of EA games you will ever see, ever. I laughed so hard when they, they dropped the line. It's just fantastic. You'll know you'll know the line when you hear it because it's it's completely on point with <laughs> with the hyperbole of where EA will eventually go. So I'll, I'll let you guys find that one on your own. But yeah, Ready Player One, I'd probably give it a solid 8 out of 10. Definitely worth your time. If you like this show, you're going to like the movie. Um, so if you're listening to this, definitely worth your time to go check it out. Okay, so moving along here um, from that, uh, Jay, tell us about Marvel's Midnight Suns coming up here. Yeah, sure. So this is actually something I, I the, the, uh, it was a little bit unexpected that they did this. There's been some hints back and forth that they were going to do a couple things uh, related to this. The most the most significant thing that was really out there was there was a while where DC was talking about doing uh, Justice League Dark, which would you know that been in and out of kind of comic book. Uh, you know, DC news for a while. You got a little bit of that with uh, the Constantine series on DC. So both Marvel and DC have sort of uh, er- have these areas where uh, they have sort of their more gritty, realistic, sort of supernatural type characters or, or some mix of that, and which are not necessarily mainstream characters. Constantine was a good example of that in, in the DC world. And that was also where you saw... Uh, like Dead Man and a variety, Dr. Fate and a variety of these other like very uh, sort of uh, Stranger Tales kind of characters that they were floating in or out. Well, in Marvel, uh, they have that they have that as well. And interestingly enough, it, it's they revolve around a lot of fairly street level characters that you see in the Marvel Universe. So there's the Defenders, which we, we've got in the Netflix series that now much that most people are much, much more aware of. They were definitely like a kind of a B-list sort of characters in, in the comics, not unlike how Guardians of the Galaxy were. That was probably C-list, you know, C-plus list on a good day before the James Gunn movies came out. So Midnight Suns is basically um, the the Marvel version of Justice League Dark. Uh, so 
what you've got is a series of characters that all have some sort of either a really violent or gritty kind of background and or b uh, a more supernatural background so you've got ghost rider which you know they've been a couple movies made about and had a very successful run in uh, in Agents of Shield. I'm a huge Ghost Rider fan. I mean, I, there's been several of them throughout the years in the comics. Different like n- different people become Ghost Rider. You can have more than one at one at a time. Uh, really, really enjoy that that character. And that's probably one of the that's literally one of the handful of comics that I still collect today and still get new issues of. Uh, so. Ghost Rider, you got Moon Knight. And the best way to describe Moon Knight is if you imagined somebody who was about as physically imposing as Batman, but not nearly as nice, uh, quote unquote, and had like some significant mental health issues, like even more than Batman does. Um, and you got Blade, you know, half vampire. And by the way, Moon Knight, a lot of his powers come from uh, Egyptian magic. Uh, then you got Punisher, who has this again this very almost uber grounded, uber realistic, ultra violent kind of kind of background, and a lot of it was you know sort of the the Tony Stark esque or the or the probably more important more accurately the uh, the Nick Fury esque character was Doctor Strange, and you'd have other characters that would float in and out of Midnight Suns uh, if you kind of think of the title title Midnight Suns S S O N S O N S, they would go after sort of the the really violent or supernatural threats that were starting to bubble up or lurk around in the Marvel world, mostly centered around, you know, Manhattan, Boston, you know, that kind of area. Um, and they were very adult comics, by the way, when these things came out, like uh, very adult when they first came out more so than you were going to get in, like, like I said, a, a mainstream, you know, Captain America novel, but, you know, by far. So I've been really interested to see them, see them come up with this. So here's the cool thing. So they are putting this together and, uh, you know, Netflix is definitely the right venue for this. So here's what I think is really cool about this. They've got John Bernthal coming back as the Punisher, uh, who will, who is of the Defenders and Punisher series fame, right? They've got Robbie Reyes, the Robbie Reyes version of Ghost Rider, who's played by Gabe Luna, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So what they've effectively done is literally taken two fairly main characters from the Marvel Netflix world and the Marvel, uh, I don't know, TV world, for lack of a better term. And they very clearly just said, yeah, these guys are all in the same same, same universe. And they're going to have a version of Blade. Now, we don't know. I, I, there's zero, I, I would say 0.001 chance it's Wesley Snipes. I, I pray it is not. Um, that will... That will sort of cement you bringing that in back into the Marvel world, Marvel universe, so to speak. I'm really interested to see who they cast as Moon Knight uh, because you need a a big, physically imposing kind of guy. I mean, he he very much looks like if you imagine Batman, but his suit is all white, like a whitish silver, uh, where's kind of a cow, like a, or a more of a hood style mask. Um, he, he he is about the size of the Ben Affleck Batman in the bat and that bat suit, just generally in the comics. Whereas somebody like Iron Fist was much more kind of Bruce Lee physique, uh, so to speak. So I'm kind of interested to see how they do this. Now what it, what it also tells me is that I, 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 I'm hoping that there's a, the slimmest of slim chance that you'll get a Dr. Strange cameo or more likely you might get these guys 
in like a, a one minute shot in the Dr. Strange Sanctum Santorum in a movie down the road, you know, something like that. So again, I'm very keen on this. I think Netflix is the right way to go with it. Uh, and it's bringing together a really, really cool uh, sort of supernatural vibe, which they've just sort of started to dabble in, in the Marvel universe a little bit with Dr. Strange and a couple other areas. Uh, but I think it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty psyched about this one. And I'm really, really hoping it's not April fools because if it is, it's a really, really good April fools joke because this one has almost too much of a tinge of the truth involved in it. Did you, did you, did you actually read the bottom of the article? Yeah, I did. That's why I'm like, God, I'm hoping this is not an April Fool's joke. Yeah, we're we're all sitting here like I I someone I, should tell him. <laughs> yeah. I, I had it. We we have an April Fool's section down at the near the bottom of the show notes, and and it's in there already. I hate you guys. Uh, <laughs> I was, I'm like, he's really into it, and I feel kind of bad now because he's really excited for now, it. See, I get sucked into this all the time. So, like last year, it was the Bruce Campbell, uh, you know, that was going to be the Doctor, uh, Doctor Who, in the in one of the Christmas specials. He was going to guest star as uh, as said. Finally, the Doctor's coming to America, and I had a picture of Bruce Campbell in a blue suit coming out of the out of the TARDIS, and I was like, yes! And they've done it to me again. God damn it! To to be fair, like there were so few April Fool's jokes this year because it was a Sunday and none of the corporate people wanted to post stuff on a Sunday that the the one or two that you actually got. Yeah, it, my defenses were totally down because it was on Easter Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's like I know it's for bastards. me, I read it on April 2nd, not realizing it was published on the 1st. Oh, and then okay. I got to the end. Oh, fuck. I feel like an idiot. So I just now noticed that my the natural way my screen pops up, I don't see like I don't see the April Fool sign. Like so, I see the whole article <laughs> right up to the last paragraph. Like I don't even see this the last paragraphs. So I read the whole thing and I'm like, oh my god, this is great. Like and then I now noticed it is published on the April on April first. I feel horrible. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, man. I feel I'm horrible. Like, I'm like, let's just let him keep going. He can do his. Favorite April Fool's joke thing early, and I just, realize he's doing it. For the record, whoever is the is the owner of comicbookmovie.com, you need to burn in hell. You did this on Easter Sunday on Jesus's like <laughs> yeah, zombie thing. <laughs> Horrible uh, human beings. Horrible. Oh man, it, it, it sucks because you're, you're 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 <laughs> describing. I'm like, this does sound really cool. Like, I don't know these characters, but that sounds really cool. <laughs> Oh man, I I was literally crushed. Cause, well, the, the worst thing is like, because that's what's so plausible about it. You're like, no, this makes perfect sense because they they have two of the characters fully fleshed out and made. Netflix yep. is perfect for this. They just got they just need to get somebody to play Blade. Get the Old Spice guy for the love of God to play Bill play Bill Blade, oh, and I'd just find the Moon Knight. Like I would, I would be like. <laughs> Oh my God, this could be, and this could be so easy to do too. That that's the crazy part. Oh my God, this is horrible. Well, uh, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that you know they've had like like Think Geek does it all the time, where they put out their April Fool's jokes, and then if enough people like click it and get excited about, it, they actually make it into a real product they sell. So you never know. They they could be like, hey. We listen to biomass. Jay's really into this. We're just gonna go ahead and actually make it because we we feel bad about it, and it, it would be cool. I am, I am, I'm beside myself with anger and guilt right now. I'm I'm gonna be totally shot for the rest of the show. I'm just gonna keep <laughs> coming back to this over and over and over. 
Uh, I'm sorry, man. It, it did sound cool, though. Like, it, it does sound badass, but uh, That's maybe, the, maybe not right now. God, this is a great hook because this could have been. Oh, man. <laughs> They've done it to me again. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Let's, we're going to okay. need to move on. <laughs> okay. So we're, we're good at that. So um, let's go to some gaming stuff, get our mind off of off of all the awesomeness that could have been. Uh, so PUBG, uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Fairly popular game. It's pretty big for a while there. Not so much anymore, but it's still pretty big. Um, so when Fortnite came out with their mobile version of the game, PUBG, like a week later, or maybe like a couple days later, was like, uh, yeah, actually, we're doing that too. So there has been a mobile version of Player Unknown's Battleground. You can go download it right now. I think it's actually free, which is kind of interesting. Um, but there's an issue that, you know, if you tend to play against with like, you know, a touch screen on a phone, that's kind of the understanding that like the level of fidelity and control you have is significantly diminished compared to like that of a mouse and keyboard. Well, there are apps for your phone that allow you to hook up a mouse and keyboard to your phone. So people are playing PUBG Mobile with a mouse and keyboard and absolutely decimating everyone else because it's not even close to the same level of, you know, control. So it's a problem right now. This just feels like one of those stories that I, I was like, this is right up our alley, like, because I, you know, 180 some odd episodes ago, we were talking about, you know, balance issues between a controller and a keyboard and mouse. And now, now it's, it's keyboard and mouse versus freaking touchscreen, which is even like a hundred times worse. Like, oh my god, yeah. I, I I can't do action games on the phone. Like, I like puzzle games or like strategy games, but I can't do like some of the action games. But my hands just don't; they're too big. I'm all over the place with them. I can't even imagine playing this normally I, against other people, much less so with the mouse and keyboard. I've, I have tried to play uh, action game or really shooter style games on my iPad, right? So. That actually, the controls there are not bad. You can definitely play against other people on that are using touchscreen controls because basically you just like put your two thumbs on the screen and you move them like you'd move the like the you know Joy-Con stuff type right, stuff. Right, right. But there is no way that you can compete with an actual controller, much less mouse and keyboard for a game like that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm mildly surprised that that even cross plays like that. But you know, hey. More power to them if they're trying. Well, it's not a function of the game. Like people are kind of using like third-party apps to link it up um, to make it happen. So it's not an intended way to play, but people are doing it because you know, come on, if if you're playing a shooter and you have the option to you know go you know a hundred no with a mouse and keyboard, you're going to do it on a phone. So I'm not surprised that it's happened, but uh, yeah, it's been a problem. And, PUBG does not need this right now compared to how much they're struggling compared to, to Fortnite. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. Like anything right now is probably uh, stinging them pretty ba- pretty bad. But that being said, there I mean like I, I I get you, but I also don't think that their main like the, their main core you know followers are mobile gamers either. Like that's not a yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not seeing that. I like I, it's a. It, I think it's a deal, but I don't think it's a big deal. If that makes sense, right? Now, if this, there are there are. If you can imagine something like um, like Overwatch, suddenly has a mobile like a high end mobile version. That there's no way. Like that. Like one, I don't think they'd ever dilute their brand. But I, I, I think that would be a thing. Or Call of Duty, you know, something like that. Yeah. Uh, Battlefield, where there's 
j just this massive uh, saturation point with with that game. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't see this really being a major thing. Cause I don't think anybody would fool themselves and think that you can really be competitive uh, in a in a Twitch based game going from a, a you know a touchscreen on a phone or a tablet to either so to some form of a controller or a mouse and keyboard. I hope I hope they don't think. Yeah, I mean, because I, I think the game is free. Like I said, I think this is almost a. It was easy to do, but we're not taking it very seriously, and it's more of a hey, try our game for free. It would be even better on PC. You should buy it. Um, is kind of the angle I see it, where it's like they put a mobile version out just because they could. And Fortnite and, did it. And Fortnite did it, and it was probably not too difficult to do because I mean they're they're running off of Unreal. Unreal scales very easily. Um, from like mobile up to high end PC, you can you know the tools are built in to basically make an easy conversion like that. So it was probably fairly low effort, um, and they just kind of did it just to kind of drive you know attention at the very least. So like you said, it's a deal. It's probably not a big deal. It was just kind of interesting to see that uh, you know it took people about you know a week to realize they could pretty much break the game with the right hardware because uh, yeah. I remember, like, with Dust, like, there was the, you know, they tried to give uh, an advantage to uh, controllers with some aim assist stuff, and then people would use, like, a, a hack adapter to make their keyboard and mouse oh, look, yeah. like a, look like a controller so that they'd get the aim assist plus their, uh, plus the mouse and keyboard accuracy. Yeah, it's a product that it, it reads, the console will read it like a controller, but it effectively is a mouse with like a, a control you hold in your other hand that's that's more like a traditional controller. And it, it, it works, you know, and it's not terribly expensive. It's not like some janky thing you're putting together yourself. Like it's just a product that's designed specifically to make a mouse style control work on a console. But that's always going to be an issue for crossplay for these kinds of games. I mean, some games like uh, you know Final Fantasy XIV is crossplay. One, it's not competitive. Two, it's not the kind of game where like high precision is critical, so it's fine. But for something like this, it is absolutely a huge deal. So it doesn't surprise me that this this happened. Um, it's just, I think it's pretty amusing. So speaking of Fortnite, uh, so Fortnite Battle Royale has now surpassed Minecraft as the most popular video game on YouTube. One particular streamer had 1.1 million viewers at the same time um, on YouTube, and in February it had 2.4 billion views for the game uh, in the one month, which I think is a record. So it's, you know, I think they said that since the beginning of the year, the amount has grown by 151% in like three months, which is insane. So... Fortnite's, of course, doing extremely well on Twitch. It's the top top game by a large margin. It's doing better than the top game in YouTube, which would be Minecraft, uh, with the caveat that the way that YouTube has now tweaked its search criteria, uh, the number of Minecraft views has like plummeted from what it used to be. So keep in mind that Fortnite is not above Minecraft's peak by any means, not by a long shot, but because of the changes to how search works on YouTube, Minecraft has dropped significantly and Fortnite has pretty clearly surpassed it. So I'll be curious to see how that all pans out with, you know, all the YouTube shenanigans and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, Fortnite's going strong. It's it's doing well pretty much on all platforms. So, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it as always. So moving along here, uh, Warframe is something we kind of mentioned uh, last week, and we probably won't go into a deep dive right now um, because that is a, a lengthy discussion, but Warframe is created by a company called Digital Extremes. Uh, they are 
again, a very interesting, you know, we'll get into the history maybe in another episode, but a very interesting company and in how they've uh, developed over the time and that sort of thing. But they're also very careful with their microtransactions. And for the most part, they've had a pretty fair model for quite a long time. Even back when I played, uh, it never felt like it was forced. It was almost always cosmetics. There were some time savers, but it was, you know, it was convenient, but it never felt necessary. And I spent money on the game on some cosmetics or some cool stuff I got, but I did it because I wanted to, because the game was of high quality. It, you know, felt like a paid game and it was so fair in its microtransactions that I felt encouraged to spend money, which is kind of how it should be. You should want to spend money. So something interesting happened where they implemented a feature where there's these little creatures called Kubros. I think they were, they got released like right after I, I stopped playing, uh, but you kind of grow them and they have like different appearances and that sort of thing. And so what they did is they put into the game, this ability to basically pull this lever and it would like randomize the, uh, attributes of your Kubro and you could like sell or trade that to other players so they could kind of like check the genetic mapping or something like that. I'm not sure in the details. And it cost uh, a small amount of premium currency. I think it was like 65 cents when you, you actually converted it. So not too bad. Well, they released this thing and they're like, cool, people really like this. And then they realized, oh, this one guy pulled the lever like 200 times in one day. Like, holy shit. And this is actually coming out of uh, an interview on YouTube, and I, I apologize, I forget the guy who did the interview. Um, but the developer said, yeah, we realized this guy pulled the lever like 200 times, and we were like, holy shit, we just put a slot machine into our game. Like, we we never wanted this. Like, obviously this person was not using it in the way that they had intended, and it was kind of showing this, you know, addictive slot machine style um, you know, tendency to keep playing. And so they took it out of the game. They're like, we didn't want anything like that in our game. We, it took us a couple of days, but we got it out immediately. Um, that's That was not the intention, and we've now changed to something else because that is not the kind of game we want to have. And I just thought that was so fantastic that they, in, in an age where some companies would go, sweet, the guy pulled the lever 200 times, Digital Extremes went, holy shit, this guy pulled it 200 times. Like, that's that's not good. That's that's a sign of a bad behavior that's not healthy. And they took action to fix it. I just, I, I got to give credit where it's due. I think this is fantastic. Now, that's definitely a, like a hallmark of how, uh, you, we talked a little bit about Warframe last week, as you kind of mentioned earlier. They really snuck up on me and that you know, I've known about Warframe for a long time, but I've, and it's been a long time since I got into it. But the more I look at how they're doing business, the more I'm very interested in about it. And, and we did mention that there's a, there's like a Netflix um, uh, documentary on, on sort of the creation of Warframe and the, sort of the care and feeding of how that game has been going. Um, and, and they go into some level of detail about describing how do you find the, the, the right, spot as a as a effectively one of the very few if not the 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 really one of the only handful of true legitimate triple a highly polished free-to-play games out there how do you find that spot of you know monetizing it and servicing the game and the fans which you know for like you know in, in all fairness, that is a really tough thing to balance because, like, as gamers, you want to, you want, like, I want game, I want a lot, I want a lot of game, I want a D, I want Witcher 3 on everything, and I want Destiny graphics, and I want, you know, I want, I want, I want. Uh, and oh, by the way, I don't want to pay for it. 
and I want everything I, I should be able to get. I want to get just for playing, which is one end of the spectrum. And, and frankly, probably not really realistic. And then on the other end, you have, I don't know, hashtag EA or whatever. That's literally like, we're going to make this so that if you would like to play the game for more than 30 minutes in a window, you have to put money in, the, in you know, like a quarter in, in the, in the arcade machine, so to speak. Um, and which is not realistic in that people won't play your game very long or certainly not very many, many people will. So there is a, a, a zone that you have to figure out where that is and warframe does a pretty good job and this is a great example and if you think about it from their standpoint like okay so they so they they put like a limiter that you can only buy i don't know what the, the fix was but like the easy answer like that they use in a lot of games is like you can only do this thing five times right they'll there'll be like a, a cap limit on buys um that you know in the long long term doesn't really lose them a lot and the 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 reputation that they're building with our customer base when things like this story get around probably ends up netting them more money, you know, in the, in the long scheme of things, you know, it's a, it's a, it's almost like this, you know, Randian sort of uh, like Ayn Rand sort of, you know, form of capitalism that they practice and, and do it very well, frankly. Yeah. It's, it, it does speak a lot, I think for, for the company and they actually commented that they were making a lot of money off of this but i, I kind of like how you described it it's like you only do it like five times it's like most people are probably not going to pull the lever more than five times in in one sitting but it it does stop those people who have like an addictive personality and, and can't stop themselves from doing it and they're still you know catching the majority of the people doing it so you know it doesn't it doesn't take much to to make something to prevent people from playing in a way which is harmful to themselves and still, you know, reap the rewards of it. But unfortunately, a lot of free-to-play games rely so heavily on, you know, the so-called whales that will behave like that, that it's just, it's just bad. You know, you're, you're enabling someone who has a problem to, you know, have a problem and you're going to benefit from it and you're cool with that. It's pretty messed up. So I think the fact that they're saying this is not ethically something that we're okay with um, says a lot, and like you said, it gets around. People go, "Wow, these are the good guys of gaming." You know, let's support them, and I think that's that's great. You should give credit where it's due. So, for the most part, I think that they they do really well, and you know, I'll, I look forward to to probably doing a little more research into into Warframe. I want to do a, a deep dive on it in the next week or so, but uh, it should I, be good. We 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 may actually want to look at uh, one of our kind of our, our spotlight shows on that, like a twenty or thirty minute, yeah. you know, kind of set aside show. Yeah, just because that that's a that's a a really, really deep game that we could get into. Uh, and we, we've got like a growing whiteboard of, of things that we want to do spotlights for. Uh, and Warframe, I think definitely might, might fit the bill for that. Uh, it'd be really good. At, you know, what we could do is we'd probably reach out and try to find some of the, you know, if we got some big, big time Warframe super players that we could probably pull in to kind of give us uh, that perspective as well. Yeah, no, that'd be great. I think it's a good idea. We'll, we'll put that on the do, to do list and we'll, uh, we'll hop on that soon here. Okay, good stuff. So moving along here, uh, Battletech got a story trailer. Do you want to take this one, Jay? Uh, I can briefly. Uh, so long story short, it, it not a lot of huge surprises in it, but again, uh, the launch, the full Monty launch is, is like in route any second now, and it is uh, a much deeper story mode than was originally intended. They definitely hit some of their Kickstarter goals, which was, you know, we talked about that quite a bit, how, they've, how they do marker uh, Kickstarters. And when you hit certain dollar thresholds that there's a direct equity in terms of like what you get out of it and they deliver, you know, you know, hairbrain schemes is a 
well-proven track record of delivering what they say they're going to deliver in these type of games. So they also have access to best-selling authors, by the way, that are deeply steeped in the Battletech universe that do a lot of their story writing at very little cost. Uh, you know, in some cases, a little bit of pro bono here and there or for charity. So they have access to some really interesting writers that I, that we could talk about as well. But they uh, they definitely have a, a story mode. Imagine, you know, I know this, this sounds like it's been overdone, but it's a bit of a Game of Thrones in space type type event, not EVE Online space. This is a much more uh, medieval sort of world that you're, or kind of universe that you're dealing with in, in Battletech, particularly this version or this flavor of Battletech in terms of where it happens in, the, in their story timeline. It is very much, you know, humanity's in a dark age, but there's technology that's overlaid on top of it. And it's a very feudal society. So what you have is is sort of these uh, very peri- they call them the periphery states out like literally at the edge of the galaxy, where there's very little uh, sway by these huge empires that sort of rule the the bulk of the known galaxy. Uh, and if you can imagine, like if you're in an ocean and you're a small fish, and then when big fish come by, like just the swipe of their tail, like knocks shit over left and right and upsets the apple cart. That's sort of how these big empires function around these small periphery states. Um, and this is very much a, um, a, a story, what it looks to me like a story about like carving your way through one of those periphery states and sort of setting up your own sort of mercenary company that can function and operate. And then eventually you get noticed by one or more of the, the larger six, they call them successor states, one of the big galactic empires, so to speak. Uh, and then you get embroiled into much larger political conflicts. And from what little I saw, it looks really good. I like their art style. It's it's very reminiscent of, and you, it's kind of cool. You can watch their art style in their games from their early Shatterin games up. They use a lot of the same artists in house. They they they're there's all the still same people living in Seattle doing it for them. Uh, and it's definitely matured, but it's a, a very similar kind of harebrained schemes style uh, that they've developed. And and again, looks pretty good. Looks pretty good so far. All right, sounds good. And it looks like that's coming out April 24th. That's real close here. In about three more weeks. That's, that's pretty good stuff. He'll tell us yep. how it goes. Okay, bait. We've put this off for a while. You played Super Hot, is that correct? I did, yeah, and I streamed a good portion of it. So, um, nice. Yeah. Super Hot uh, was free, was it last month? Yeah, last month yeah. On, on Xbox. And when I downloaded it, I really didn't know what to expect. I hadn't like looked at anything about the game before, you know, before booting it. So I downloaded it and I get it. It's 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 not like I expect. I I, I did expect it to be a puzzle game, um, but not a first-person shooter kind of puzzle. So basically, the idea was super hot. Is you are. You're 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 uh you're in a computer simulation as best I can tell, um and it, it it's first person and as you're navigating the levels right um when you move forward time in the game moves right so if you're if you're moving like you normally would everything around you is moving at normal speed if you will when you're not moving everything's paused and so the idea the the goal if you will for each level is to to kill all of the all of the the red guys. They're, they're these these guys that are trying to kill you. And when you do, you know, boom, levels done. Move on to the next one. And there's all kinds of ways to do it, right? So normally you you know you pick up a gun, 
and you, know, you shoot and whatnot, and, uh, and, and you go that way. And the story, it, it, it's really interesting moving through. Um, there are times where you complete a level, and then uh, you, you'll go back uh, to this, this jail cell. Right. And you'll and there's points where you're not doing anything except moving around the cell, and then it'll once it's decided that you've moved around enough, it'll jump you to the next part. Um, so it, it's really, really, uh, really interesting. So what, what if you were to classify like what like what style of game is it? How would you how would you how would you frame this? Like because I, I freely admit I am I'm only peripherally aware of super hot, but I'm just like like how would you if you were going to describe it in like you know ten seconds or less, like elevator style, like what what would you what would you call it? See, and 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 that's what I'm having a hard time doing. I think because I think to call it a first person shooter, in the sense that I think a lot of people uh, think about first person shooter, it's not. But it's also not really a puzzle game, I guess, because there's nothing really to solve. I mean, you can make the stretch. I, I suppose that. It's a puzzle game in the fact that you have to figure out how to when to pause time and when to let time move forward so that you can kill all of the red people without dying yourself. So I'm trying to figure out what what to call it is is I've, difficult. I think. Yeah, I've heard uh, I've heard a, a, a the only thing that I know about about this game is that I heard somebody describe it to me as if you took like time splitters or um god the old uh sam fisher uh th- th- like the sam fisher games not familiar you know what i'm talking about no, the tom clancy uh splinter cell games yeah if oh, you took okay. if you took like a splinter cell and time splitter type like mashup and put them together it's a little bit like that does that make sense it's a bit like that. And it's also like if you were living in like Matrix bullet time the entire time, you kind of get to do and I won't cut you off, babe, but I feel that that element shows itself much more in the VR version of the game, which I Does have it? tried. Huh. So God, that game would be sick in VR. So so to tell you the difference, babe, so normally in the gameplay, you can move around the level freely and aim and shoot and throw and punch things. In the VR version, you are static; you cannot move, and so it oh. it definitely leans more into the um, the puzzle side because you're pretty much a sitting duck. That being said, you can move your character by you yourself ducking, weaving, dodging. So you'll literally at times do like a matrix rooftop, like leaning back underneath bullets flying over your face sort of deal. It's so cool, like. It takes the parts that are great about the original game and just like dials it up to 11 in how cool and good it feels to because it's not just like, you know, aim and shoot like your motion control tracking your hands, too. So you're, you know, grabbing weapons out of midair and throwing them and catching guns and you know that sort of thing. You can actually grab like swords and knives and block bullets if you do it right. Um, it's awesome in VR. Huh. But I think your your difficulty in classifying it does kind of speak to how unique it is, and yeah. people always kind of tilt their head, going "Huh?" when you tell them what it is. Like, just watch a video; you'll understand what it is, or you know, better yet, just give it a shot and, and try it out. You know, it's it's a really cool, unique game, um, particularly if you can play it in VR. Like, it it really plays to its strengths in VR. The the not being able to move part leads to some weird uh, situations, like 
the enemies have to like run towards you since you can't move towards them. So if like you're out of ammo um, and the guy's got like a baseball bat, you have to kind of wiggle your hands around and wait for him to, to run up to you and then you kill him. Uh, there are some oddities there, but like the moment to moment stuff is, is really solid in VR. Um, I do suggest people give it a shot if you have that capability. That would be the most frustrating part to not because I found the game, you know, relatively challenging in some places and I was able to move. So, you know, ha- having all the bullets and whatnot come actually by a shoof. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And, and if I get the setup, we're we're kind of working on getting a uh, sort of like a face cam setup so we can do some like dual screen VR stuff where you can see the screen and see the person playing the VR. Um, I would like to actually record some of that so you guys can see exactly what I mean. And you look like a, like a damn fool because you're, you know, kind of waving your arms on doing this weird, like slow motion uh, matrix thing, but it is very fun. Um, very I, cool game. For, for the record, I still have a significant bounty out for anybody that can capture video of Zell in full VR regalia in his living room playing anything uh yeah. and you'll never find it <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so bait what, what, what'd you think is super hot kind of i mean it, it was weird for you yeah. but what did you think overall like one out of ten sort of deal uh, one out of ten um i think somewhere between like maybe a six and a six and a half okay um, that's fair I, I i would totally go back through and play it you know if i had somebody if i were like showing somebody because i mean you you can knock this game out in probably two hours um it's short yeah it, it's pretty it short the one thing that i didn't really do because i couldn't figure it out for the life of me so the menu system is and poke i don't know if you if you got in, into any of this in vr but there's there's other mini games within the menu so the menu is set up almost like a um, it was almost like a root direct, um, I, I guess, would be uh, w- would be a, a comparable thing. Um, and it, within the within the directory, there's like there are these mini games and uh, that you can do. And I don't know what to do. I, I'm sure there's some like broader story uh, uh, tie-in, if you will, but it, there are no instructions that I saw for these. So trying to figure them out and, and how to do them uh, was a little bit frustrating. But I mean, it's there. If you're, if you're a smart person, you can probably figure it out. It is the kind of game that part of the game is figuring out how to mm. play the game. Um, it, it's it's kind of one of those, like, if you're clever and figure it out, you get additional content. Absolutely not for everyone, but I could see them doing that sort of thing. Um, like, for example, in the VR version, you're actually not in a jail cell. You're in a room that's cluttered and full of various stuff with a VR headset hanging above your head. So you actually have to reach up and grab the headset, pull it onto your head to play the game. And you have to find like the right floppy disk to load into the, the drive to actually load levels. Oh, um, that's cool. It's not too difficult, but it is kind of that nice touch of like you're in a simulation, like yeah. you said. Um, it, it's a little frustrating when you're tall because when I reach up... Um, with the move controllers they're well outside the camera um range because the angle is only so wide so i have to reach up to grab the thing above my head but the camera can't see the controllers so i have to then duck then reach up then grab then pull it onto my head and stand back up again um but that's some of the limitation of of how the playstation vr works but uh no it's 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 pretty cool um it's it's a good if you just got a vr headset this is a good game to buy. Um, if you get it cheap on Steam for PC, it's a good game to buy just to see what it's about. 
Uh, there is a prototype, and the reason I actually saw Super Hot back when it was a Unity prototype online that was free. It had like three or four levels you could play. Um, that's still available. It's called a Super Hot prototype, and you can actually play that for free to kind of get an idea for how the game works. And if you're if you're feeling it, you can go purchase the game either for um, regular or VR. Uh, and Steam, I believe, has both of them, or or PlayStation. I think PlayStation has both as well. Yeah. So the game is uh, twenty five dollars on Steam. Eh, that seems a little steep. It's a yeah. little high. It's a little high. I, I wait for a for sale. Sure. It's probably a good ten to fifteen dollar game, yeah, which you can I, easily get. I, I would totally agree with that price point. If if I saw that float across and it was a you know like ten to fifteen dollar uh, you know kind of thing, like on a flash sale or something, I I would be very tempted to pick it up based on the way you sure. described it. Yeah. No, I'm I'm game for. I'm it just. Like want to have a, a ridiculously long game queue like most of us, but oh yeah, that's just for for I don't think for that money that that's you know that's something that I would pick up you know or if, or if I was in between games that sounds like a really good one to pick up and kind of mess around with for for about for about a week and kind of you know see what I could do with it. Yeah, yeah, it's I think it probably has more fun with VR if possible, but like I said, there is a free like demo basically online at least worth checking out to see if it's something that you might want to add to your wish list for in the next Steam sale. Okay, so moving along here, uh, a couple more game reviews that I think Jay kind of mentioned earlier in the show. So Marvel Strike Force, uh, what's going on with this one? Okay, so this is actually kind of a neat uh, neat thing. So one, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fairly significant, you know, large portion, portion of my gaming time is devoted to, to basically mobile games. Uh, I travel a lot, and uh, I, I don't always have access to a desktop or much less a console. So I tend to play a lot on my phone or on my tablet. Well, uh, and there are you know, the styles of mobile games. Kind of with, kind of what we were talking about earlier. Some styles of games work really well on uh, you know mobile devices, and some don't. And, and by the way, I'm excluding Switch from that because that's definitely in a category on its own. Um, but kind of uh, collectible games, trading card games, RPGs type stuff, or, you know, RTS, you know, RTS and uh, tactical, like, you know, turn-based tactical games work real, real well on, uh, on tablets. And they can be really, really, really neat looking. Uh, even some Diablo style games can work quite well on tablets. So um, things that don't really require Twitch shooting, so to speak. Well, anyway, um, you know, some of the games that I, you know, if you want to look at two big categories of games that tend to get a lot of IPs, it's sort of the RTS games or like I call them sort of trading card slash RPGs. Um, and it's not a trading card game in it like, you know, like TMG or something like that or Hearthstone where there's literally cards on the screen. Imagine collecting cards or shards of characters and you, and you level these characters up RPG style, like well-known characters of, of you know, whatever. And, um, you, you outfit them with gear, you level up their powers, you, you do all kind of stuff, and then you have any number of different methods of interacting in PvE and PvP content, uh, mostly imagining a an XCOM-style gameplay. You know, it's sort of like you're collecting different styles of chessmen that have a wild set of mechanics that, that are associated with them and, and capabilities, and they all have very specific... Um, you know, sort of animations. And those chessmen are effectively everybody out of the Marvel universe. That is you know, really the core of what Marvel Strike Force is. So it's put out by Fox Next. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Fox Next here in a minute. But um, there's a game called Star Wars Galaxy Heroes. It's one of the top, uh, top selling 
or you know top downloaded and monetized uh, you know free to play games out there. Uh, it's done by EA. It is if you for a mobile game, extraordinarily well done, very very well balanced. A ton of different stuff to do, particularly you know like I've been playing it for about three years now. Um, you can put money into it. You can not put money into it. And, you know, you can, you can certainly pay to win, you know, if you want, uh, but there's nothing, there is literally nothing in the game that you can't get by grinding, uh, which I've done on, you know, more than one occasion. And I will occasionally use real money, uh, once in a while. Uh, but I've definitely kind of got my, you know, my, my money and time's worth out of it. Well, a game, you know, game very similar to that, which is just what I described, sort of like collecting your chessmen, putting them on the three-dimensional field and, you know, RPG and them up and stuff like that. That was a Star Wars based game with a phenomenally neat uh, sort of background of characters and stories going on in it and, and a ton of different modes and methods of playing. Here recently, uh, last few months, there's been a game called Marvel Strike Force that's come out that is clearly the next contender for, you know, one of the top mobile games out there. And it is, you know, kind of that 3D chess game, if you will. Um, very very deep roster, uh, pretty much everything. They 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 have access to literally every Marvel controlled entity outside of the Fantastic Four. So that means anybody, uh, regardless of what studio, what media studio owns them outside of the Fantastic Four, they have access to. Uh, and and they are leaning heavily on sort of, sort of MCU flavored and. Uh, Netflix flavored and, and sort of Agents of Shield flavored uh, offerings for like main characters, but they're bringing in a ton of you know uh, they have access to X Men, Deadpool, all these other guys, all these uh, type of characters too. So uh, it is effectively a 3D chess game, XCOM style gameplay. Um, not so much in terms of positioning and moving around, although position on the the playing field does matter. But basically, you collect shards of characters. So let's say it's you know like in there's uh, seven star characters. So there, there's a star is like a level, more or less. Um, collect 15 shards uh, somehow through different gameplay mechanics or whatever. You can unlock a character at one star, then it kind of scales up. It's very similar to most RPG mechanics. So there's the star level, then there's the gear level, then there's the actual character level. There's a lot of ways that you can make your characters better and you could customize them. And they've got usually a variety of different passive and active uh mechanics or technique you use. So that's all that's all you know pretty pretty stock stuff. But they've done a couple of very neat things. One, it's how the characters interact with each other. They have really neat synergies between different types of characters. They have a ton of different tags against them as you can imagine, like some are Avengers characters, shield characters, bad guy, good guy characters, whatever. Uh, and you can have multiple tags on a character. So um and it allows you to access a lot of kind of neat mechanics that they can play. But the one of the things they've definitely done is up the ante in terms of graphics, up the ante in terms of uh, gameplay mechanics and depth, and some in a lot of the social interactions that you get because you're on a mobile device, so you're effectively operating, you know, uh, on a walking social network, uh, so to speak, as you play these things. Uh, it, it works really, really, really well. Uh, a lot of the folks that were involved in Fox Next, uh, you know, had were directly involved in the creation of Diablo, which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, particularly Diablo 3 uh, for the console, which is, does a total 
total uh, random linkage to, to some of the, one of the other topics for tonight. So anyway, that game uh, is I is just went into hard launch uh, in the last week. It's been in soft launch in uh, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and a couple other places for I want to say about four months, four or five months. Uh, and it had hard launch on last Friday here, kind of worldwide, big push in the iOS store. Uh, and they've gotten some great, great numbers and great reviews so far as far as a mobile game goes. So uh, I think they're going to be one of the next big things in mobile gaming. There's a ton of big time content creators that uh, that cover mobile games that are out there. And I'll talk about a few in a minute uh, that are, are really making a push on this game. It's a fun game. It looks good. It's got a neat, neat storyline. Uh, and, and you can legitimately play it and, and be okay at it, you know, without really spending any money if you want to. Uh, and that's one of the, again, kind of the hallmarks of a, of a really well-balanced game, particularly in a free-to-play format that they do well. So it, it's just something I want to kind of give you a you know, quick shout out on. And they do some really, uh, really neat things again, bringing into different mechanics and they've done a good job of and the initial balance of the game. And they've got about 70 characters or so, probably 45%, 50% of the characters are kind of minions like random shield agent or, you know, uh, you know, mercenary, bad guy or whatever, like literally just minion type characters that are kind of fillers. Uh, then the other half are, you know, obviously named characters in one of the Marvel properties. They do a great job of balancing so far. There's nothing that's extraordinarily OP. Uh, they have a good mix of very strong characters that are easy to farm, free to play style characters that are that will make you very competitive. Uh, as well as kind of your classic, uh, you know, you got to be a power gamer, not if, if not necessarily with money, but certainly with your time to be able to farm. You know, they've got a good balance of where those characters are located. Uh, so overall, if you if you're into mobile games at all, I would absolutely recommend looking at Mar- uh, Marvel's Mo- uh, Marvel Strike Force by Fox Next. Um, just curious, you guys do any any uh, legitimate or significant mobile gaming in your normal day-to-day lives? I have a Windows phone. I will allow you to answer that question for yourself. So they do have an Android product, if that's what you're saying. I have a Windows phone. No one likes Windows phones except for yeah, self, sure. therefore they you, don't produce anything. I was about to say, you and the, f- the other five guys that have Windows phones. Maybe they'll get together and make a game. Uh, no, I I do play some mobile gaming. Uh, typically, not that style. I tend to, for me, it's actually tower defense is kind of my my go to oh, yeah. for, for yeah, mobile yeah, stuff. Um, so Plants vs Zombies two, and uh, huge Blues. fan of that by the way. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> game. Um, EA, but not horrible. Um, but that's because it was originally made by um, Popcap before they got acquired. Right, so exactly. Yeah, yeah, uh, that helps. But no, Plants vs. Zombies 2 is a solid game, and uh, Bloons Tower Defense 5. I've been playing the Bloons Tower Defense game since, like, college, I guess, like on PC. That, so. that was some good Java Java app right there. And, yeah. Hey. I've actually, you know, I've actually played uh, KOTOR and uh, Civilization on, on my iPad. And, that you know, again, those style of games work quite well on a tablet but uh it's just something you know like i said i I recommend if anybody's into mobile gaming and you really dig the marvel universe check it out uh there's there is a game uh that i referenced earlier star wars galaxy heroes which is uh definitely sort of the king of the hill for these type of uh mobile games in terms of you know like i said the style of 
RPG, you know, character collectible type games. Uh, Marvel is, it's definitely a leap ahead in terms of graphics, how it looks and some of the type of mechanics it uses. But, you know, Galaxy Heroes is, is clearly one of the, the kind of, you know, it has serious staying power in the mobile market, which is actually saying something, frankly, uh, just being able to stick around for that long. And they do real well. Uh, they are an EA product. I don't know how they got it right, but they're doing pretty well. So uh, I would take a look at that. But what's interesting is Fox Next is that's the spearhead company that Fox uh, Media is using to get into the game market. They've tried dipping their toe a few times in the past with not a lot of success. They, they've not really taken a big dive in to, to try to make a push. But Fox Next Studios, one, they went out and accrued either by individual hires or by studio requirement, uh, some some pretty talented folks. So they've, they've got a good start there. And then they had access to a hell of a lot of great IPs. So like I said, they're, they're hitting hard with uh, Marvel Strike Force. That's, a, that's definitely a small scale in the grand scheme of things offering, but it's, it offers a really good roadmap of what they can do. Uh, they worked with Kabam quite a bit, uh, or, they, or they were part of Kabam, I think it were Kabam was part of them at one point that, that have done some other mobile games that are, you know, quite, quite popular um, around the Marvel sort of world. So they've got a good history of working with Marvel. In fact, the fact, and, and, and what's noted is they're one of the very, very few uh, game, game outfits that have gotten all of the Marvel properties. They were able to acquire the rights to all of the Marvel properties which and there's some interesting agreements apparently that are in place where uh, the different studios actually have to agree to sell to the same person you know, or to license to the same same entity, so to speak. And again, the only one they don't have is is apparently Fantastic Four, and and nobody is getting that. And I've heard this in a, in a couple other different venues about other people want to do things in the Fantastic Four world that uh, that uh, nobody's releasing anything on Fantastic Four. I think it's basically a radioactive property right now for is, a lot of good reasons. I didn't. I just see something about that they're going to do Fantastic Four comics again. There's there's some discussion about that, but that the it, the part of the the issue is when Marvel produces those comics, it it effectively soft renews the license, the movie license outside of the outside of Marvel. Because I think I heard I saw like an official announcement from Marvel type thing. If they are, they, they, they've perhaps either a made it made an agreement with somebody about the inclusion of some of those characters, because it's not just the Fantastic Four. It's actually quite a few other characters around them uh, that they don't like Silver Surfer is a good example that they wanted to pull into other things. Uh, that would be easier to pull in than the Fantastic Four, but they haven't been able to. Now they, you may be right, Zell. I, I didn't yeah, see that, but you, you they announced a new right. Fantastic Four series four days ago. Um, that tells me that they're that they're doing a couple things. Either they've made the calculation that that people are going to keep hosing that thing up, so they just might as well, might as well get some money on the comics, or as part of their grand restructuring of properties, they've or they've potentially reached an agreement about how to use it in the future. Anyway, Fox Next, um, they also have access to Avatar, the Aliens franchise, like Alien, you know, like the James Cameron Alien, um, as well as Planet of the Apes. And they're they're making some offerings in there. They've got an upcoming shooter that's uh, linked to the Alien cinematic universe. Uh, they're look they're 
actively constructing a, an avatar game. I'm not real sure what the style of game is. I think it's going to be an RTS game. Uh, but there is, but, but it's very clear that they're that they're intending to make a bit of a splash. So I'll be kind of watching Fox next to see how they do. But uh, like I said, it's just kind of interesting that they're out there and in the way that they're approaching this. And they've certainly produced a a very very well polished, well balanced uh, mobile game in Marvel Strike Force. Which again, if you walk around and you play anything on a phone or a tablet, I would really recommend checking it out. Uh, it it is than DC uh, DC Legends by far, which is sort of one of the weakest offerings of these type. Um, it's it, it it will probably and I'm a huge Star Wars Galaxy Heroes fan just because I, I really like that universe and, and all the things that you can do. And there's a lot of deep cuts, so to speak, on the characters in the in that game. I think uh, it's got got 120 some odd different characters in it. I think it's going to end up being better than that as you know, that's my one week sort of playing it kind of, kind of thought on it. Uh, I would highly recommend looking at, if you're interested at all, you know, check out some YouTube or some uh, Twitter or discord type stuff. Uh, we're in the show notes. We'll list three content creators that are, are looking at Marvel strike force. And these guys are very, very accessible, very, very popular, um, popular content creators out there that, uh, that, that do Twitch streaming, uh, do a variety of different YouTube channels and things like that. They're, they're called e, you know, two of them. Well, three, all three of them are actually EA game changers. They actually have uh, inside access to, to a lot of things involving those games. And they, they sort of effectively become another venue for information to, to get out to the gaming community. But one of them, uh, he's, he goes by the handle of McMole two. Another one's mobile gamer and the other one's Arnold T one Oh one. Um, and we'll, like I said, we'll have links to all these guys, but uh, particularly McMulty and Mobile Gamer have got some great initial content for uh, Marvel Strike Force. They jumped on to uh, the beta, you know, aka the soft launch. And there's a way to do that. You can effectively go into the iOS store, get a new, you basically have to get a new email and then like log in uh, through the Canadian iOS store. So you, so it registers your account as a Canadian account, so to speak, or an Australian account. And they, so they downloaded it a couple months ago and they've been playing it, you know, sort of in preparation for this. And they unleash a lot of their content, like as you go into hard release, very common technique for, uh, for folks, uh, you know, in terms of how they do beta stuff on, on mobile, uh, mobile devices, but they've got some really, really good beginners, um, sort of uh, how-to videos, anywhere from five to 20 minutes in length, depending on what you want to get into, which characters to farm, what mechanics work real well, uh, the best way to approach the PVE content and the PVP content. So I really, really recommend looking at looking those guys up. They, they ha- they're just really good content creators generally. And if you want to see how a really nice professional uh, sort of game content is, is created in kind of small bite-sized chunks, these guys do it. As, as good as anybody I've seen. So hats off to those three. We'll have links to them in the show. Uh, I would offer that McMull 2 actually has one of the best uh, intro videos to any game. And then how, you know, how do you get started in a game? You know, about a, I think it's about a 17 to 20 minute video on Marvel Strike Force. Exceptionally well done. Really good dude. And he's a phenomenal theory crafter, by the way. And that's one of the cool things about these games is that you really have to get into some serious theory crafting about how mechanics work and interplay with each other. Uh, and he is definitely really gifted in that, uh, that department. He's, he's shown that through a variety of other games he's played as well. So that's my shout out or well, not my shout out, but my, uh, 
quick look at Marvel Strike Force uh, and a little bit of a preview in terms, terms of uh, Marvel uh, Correction, Fox Next Game Studios. Sounds good, man. Yeah, I, I don't, like I said, I don't venture too much out for my usual genre from mobile. So I'm always glad to hear that we've got someone else here that's actually, you know, giving the other stuff a fair shot. I just don't have much time to, to do it when I'm, it doesn't make much sense for me. But uh, no, it's good. I, I like hearing those reviews. So thank you for that. Yep. No drama, man. Like I said, it's not for everybody, but it, it is, you know, it, if you're if you're into that kind of stuff, it's pretty cool. I, I tell you what, uh, what I do recommend is everybody check out like a quick video on it. And just look at the quality of the uh, of the, the graphics, the animation, and the gameplay, and it, and you might be willing to give it a try. Like, uh, give it a try. Like I said, it's free. Worst case, you play it for about an hour, and you're like, eh, not for me." If but if you like it, might be something kind of cool to have in your pocket. All right, sounds good, man. So the other game you've been trying recently that uh, I've actually been a big fan of as well is Diablo Three, uh, and you've been playing that in the PS4, correct? Yep, absolutely. So um, this kind of started with uh, my wife and I. Uh, we used to play a lot of couch co-op games, um, you know, Gauntlet, uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, you know, like even some of the Lego games, stuff like that. Uh, and we, we were kind of reminiscing, like, hey, let's find something that we can play. Uh, and so I literally you know, did what I usually do, go to the interwebs, hit YouTube up, you know, top 10 couch co-op games and Diablo 3 uh, quickly quickly posted well so I, i'm a very big fan of the diablo series i've played them for a long 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 time back when diablo 1 first came out like i said I've, I've only played these on desktop computers either on pcs or macs only and uh never played it with anything but a mouse and keyboard uh the first thing i'm gonna say and i've i've known it's been on the ps4 you know for a very long time i just i had zero inclination to play that game on uh on a plat on, on a you know on a console it just, it just, uh, in my head, it didn't seem like it would feel right uh, because I, I'd played all the different versions of Diablo on a, on a desktop and really, really enjoyed them. So we, I actually took a look at some of the gameplay and and the reviews are phenomenal, which I'd, no, I'd not picked up on at all. So downloaded it, got the uh, uh, the Eternal Collection, which is sort of the the collected DLCs of uh, of Diablo three on PS4. I cannot say enough about this game. Uh, I am thoroughly impressed at what Blizzard has done in terms of taking Diablo, which again I love as as a desktop, you know, mouse keyboard driven game, um, and how they've translated it incredibly well to the console platform. So it you know, runs at runs at about 50, 50 frames per second very reliably uh, at least in, in terms of what i've been able to see it looks great on the current gen format um, what blizzard has done masterfully is with very slight tweaks to things like camera angle and you know how far you're zoomed in and out and, and sort of the controller layouts and sort of, and streamlining and some really light touch but real well targeted streamlining They've made a phenomenal console console offering. So if you imagine like Gauntlet, which was one of my favorite movie, you know, favorite games of all time, you know, as they say, you know, bait needs health badly. You know, that's a joke for everybody that's over the age of forty. Uh, they they took that style of game where you can have like four players running around the screen together. Uh, multiple different, you know, eight different classes now with a really deep progression system, very deep progression system per character. Obviously, it's a super looter game of, you know, one of the biggest looter games of all times. 
and it translates exceptionally well. Uh, it is not as sort of tactical because you can't see the screen the same way, but it's a little bit more actioning, and you and you've got this really cool dodge right stick dodge mechanic where you can basically you control all movement with the sticks. So left stick, obviously you move around, right stick, you dodge in whatever direction you thumb. So you actually gain dramatically more control over your character in his ability to, to uh, you know, aim, apply effects, and then get in and out of combat. You gain a lot more control over that, which is kind of one of the hallmarks of sort of action style, you know, top down, top down games like Neverwinter, um, like Neverwinter, Marvel's Ultimate Alliance, things like that. Really, really fun gameplay. Uh, very easy, easy controls to pick up. And they do some really cool, like minor stream, very, very minor streamlining in terms of how they do loot management and loot swapping. But phenomenal game. And it is one of the best couch co-op games I've played in a long time. Because it looks great, plays great, very easy to understand. And you're always upgrading something. You're always adding something on. Uh, the loot is more shared than it used to be in other games, where it's just whoever got to the gold or the, or the stuff first got it. Uh, so there, there's easy drop mechanics where you can share the loot, gold shared, experiences shared, things like that when you're all playing in, in the game together. Uh, it's really good. It, it's really, really, really good. So that's that's the first thing I'd kind of say. And in fact, that includes a lot of the DLCs. It's a full price game. It's $59, but you get all the, the Diablo 3 DLCs with it. Um, well worth it in terms of content and it's a lot of fun and in fact we're you know after after my wife and i play for a little while we're we'll probably grab a third controller and let our 10 year old play with us which he's very very eager to do he he really wants to to play a barbarian and like smash shit with an axe uh you know while the two old people covering with arrows and magic he's it just works out that way so uh surprised i haven't seen it yet but i gotta tell you if you haven't checked out Diablo 3, if you're a fan of that series, if you're a fan of those type of games, absolutely go check it out on PS4. I, I was quite surprised at how well how well it went down. No, man, I, I agree entirely with what you said. It's it's an incredibly solid, very well done port to console that's not just we copy-pasted. Like They really put a lot of thought into making sure it felt and played really well on console, and they did a fantastic job. I played, God, like probably hundreds of hours on, on PS4 when it came out. It was just so good. Um, and I played it before on, on PC, and it was just still very, very solid. So, you know, definitely also approve. It's a, it's a very good game to give a shot. So, well, now here's here, – this is one of the things that did teach me um, th- that I now am looking at a lot of other games at. So I'm a big fan of kind of the, the classic sort of – uh, CRPG type game, you know, a lot of the D&D titles like Pillars of Eternity, Tides of Numenaria, and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I absolutely love those games. If they would take the the style of mechanics that Blizzard has put into Diablo 3 in terms of this very, very slight tweak, you know, from a like a direct port of like a PC style game, and make it a slightly more actiony game where it's much more free, you know, much freer movement uh, in terms of how you control yourself or control your party members and stuff like that. You could revolutionize. You'd literally breathe life into a lot of games, like a lot of games this way with these really, really uh, minor sort of tweaks that Blizzard did. So I, you know, I'm now looking at a lot of games with a different viewpoint after having played 
uh, this port to, to PS4, which I, I think has been out for a couple of years now, like at least. Uh, it's been, yeah, it's been out since 2016, I believe. But it is, uh, it's definitely changed how I look at some games like this and what I would be willing to consider playing that's gone from desktop to the console. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. It's it's real solid, and I I like to see more of that style of game because I, I do uh, I do like that kind of isometric gameplay. It's just you don't tend to see it ported very well to console, so it's difficult when you want to play that style of game with people on console. So you know, hopefully they can learn from a good example and, and take it from there. Yeah, Blizzard wins again. That's they don't have a lot of <laughs> <Yep>. matches. <laughs> There's a reason they're the biggest. Okay, so bait. Freebie games coming next month. Or, I'm sorry, were you were you done, Seth? Or done, uh, Jay? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Big, you're up, man. Xbox games right. for April. So, uh, for the month of April, uh, the entire month, you're going to get uh, The Witness um, uh, for Xbox One. Uh, and then for the second half of the month into the first half of May, you're going to get uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate uh, for your, your 360 backwards compatibility. Um, First half of the month, first through fifteenth, you're going to get Cars Two. Second half, fifteenth or sixteenth through thirtieth, you are going to get Dead Space Two. That's yeah, dude, pretty the cool. Games this month are so good. Got shafted last month, so I, I'm very, uh, very happy to see um, these games uh, that that Microsoft has decided to bestow upon us. Well, I mean, we got Bloodborne last yeah, month, yeah. so that's that's tough to beat. So you you get the you get the good month because PS4 is it, looking. It's, Looking well, a little no, slim. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Mad Max is is a really good. Oh, dude, it's is it really good? good from what I understand. Uh, okay, okay, I'll pick that one up. Give it a the shot shooter, then. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's the first person. Shooter. Okay, Mad I'll Mad take a look at it. Mad Max on PS4. Oh no, we, I, I thought you meant Mad Max, uh, like that third person game that came out after Fury yeah, Road. This one, isn't it? That's not. It's not really shooting. It's, it? it's definitely a. It's no. like a third third person sort of. Borderlands slash Fallout oh, style kind of thing. For some reason, I thought it was a, yeah. it was a FPS. Oh. No, 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 no. No, it, it, it's one of those that, that definitely had some promise, but I'd rather just watch the movie. Huh, okay. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so, yeah, so obviously for uh, PlayStation Plus or PS4 for the month of April, Mad Max on PS4. Uh, also, Trackmania Turbo on PS4. You get In Space We Brawl on PS3. Toy Home, which is just for PS3, does not have the cross-buy with PS4, unfortunately. Uh, and then for PS Vita, there's 99 Vitas and Qbert Rebooted. So that's your uh, mobile offerings as well. So not nearly as strong as it was last month, but like I said, Bloodborne was was really, really good. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take a week month for following on that one up. Okay, so to kind of round this out, I thought it'd be kind of fun to go around the table, um, except for Jake, because he already did his, uh, and kind of talk about our favorite uh, gag that we saw for April Fools. So, uh, I'll start off with this one. So I hope all of your faces melt like you know, the Nazi <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. I, I, have, uh, I have two to bring up, uh, and the first one is, uh, there's a nice little one-minute video uh, with it, uh, but it is uh, that Netflix has acquired uh, Seth Rogen. <laughs> and and that's in the literal we we own your your we personhood and can do anything with him that we want sense and then and so you know they're describing all these terms of all the things that netflix can can theoretically just do to seth rogan now that they own him and then it, it kind of ends with Seth just like yeah i guess i should have read the terms oh well it worked for adam sandler 
<laughs> that's pretty good. All right, what was your other one? Uh, my other one is uh, Blizzard, as as we mentioned, uh, usually does things uh, the best. And uh, they did uh, for April Fool's as well. They actually went a little uh, weaker than previous years. Um, they did not... Um, I think really WoW might have been the only game that that stuck with the usual April Fool's jokes. Um, but nonetheless, uh, they announced a bunch of micro-holidays, which play on all sorts of jokes, including uh, a, a cryptocurrency that they invented, um, because of course they did. And uh, then the other thing they do every year is their fictional patch notes. And um, some of these, like... These are really long. There's like, if you put it in Word, it'd probably be six or seven pages of of, of joke patch notes, um, and and the jokes kind of go from like the the uh, you know World of Warcraft enthusiast would know this to the like you have to have been in an argument about game balance to know why this is funny to like the general common sense jokes. Uh, like one of the ones that they announced is uh, you know a new feature for Royale Battlegrounds, which. Uh, you know, you and 99 other unknown players will battle to be the last one standing. Everyone starts the round with no equipment, talents, or class abilities, etc. Uh, earn exciting new rewards like a Fortnite title, um, which is, you know, KN, etc. <laughs> and, and then, you know, coming soon to Android and iOS. And this is, of course, you know, supposedly World of Warcraft just kind of playing on the whole, well, everybody's tacking this on, so why don't we um just just stuff like that that's that's just kind of comedy uh there's an ability called remorseless winner and there's one like due to global warming remorseless winner is now 10 percent less effective etc that's pretty good stuff man uh bait did you have one aside from the uh jay's favorite show uh, i did yeah so because because i i am the youngest on here i feel like i, I use snapchat more than every single one of you put together uh that is probably that, definitely that, is, that is definitely true. So Snapchat uh, put out a uh, a filter for you for your photos um, that makes it look like a a fake Russian bot liked your picture on on Facebook. So I, I noticed that was amused. Yeah, no, I can see no yeah, problems with that coming out of that. Awesome. Sure. Uh, and then uh, another one that a buddy of mine actually linked to me was that. Uh, Disney had bought the WWE for about five billion dollars uh, ahead of uh, WrestleMania, <laughs> which I guess is next next weekend. Which would have <laughs> been glorious, by the it way. It would have been. I want to see. I want to see fucking the least the, the least Disney dude in the world is Vince McMahon. <laughs> so yeah, that's April Fool's. That's pretty good. Uh, and for me, I had so Final Fantasy fourteen. That's the Square Enix MMO uh, that I, I play on occasion. They have this habit of making jokes for April Fools of features that I actually wish existed, um, and then I am disappointed because I realized it's the first. Uh, so I unfortunately realized I was going into this one knowing it was a joke. But they uh, created like, like a four minute trailer talking about a new feature called Final Fantasy fourteen Go. So. Like most MMOs, if you've played like an MMORPG, uh, you gather resources, or you can. So you mine and you chop wood and you go fishing and shit. And so this is meant to be a mobile app that you can go out, kind of like Pokemon Go, and you can like find mining nodes in the real world and gather, and then those resources get sent back to your character in the main game. I was like, well, shit, that'd be actually kind of nice, because I like to craft. Um, 
it's it's a lie, but they, they they didn't just stop there. They were like, okay, we were working with this prestigious uh, you know designer to you know build an accessory for your phone to you know increase the chances of you successfully mining with you know this app. And it's basically a selfie stick, but he's going into this big long explanation about how they designed it specifically for the game, and it it's meant to enhance you know your your whole experience. And so it shows these people in a park, and so the guy clips the phone onto the end of the selfie stick, and then proceeds to try to chop a tree down with it. So the phone is, like, just smashed and sparking, and it's playing the victory sound because he successfully gathered. And then the guy behind him is, like, casting his phone into a lake and trying to reel it in with the stupid selfie stick. And the whole thing was pretty funny. So, you know, once again, Final Fantasy makes a, a feature that I wish I had. I don't want to smash my phone, but I wish they actually had, like, you know, a gathering app that'd be kind of neat. So, you know... That's why I thought that was pretty funny. And then uh, it's it's not uh, think geek is always a good one to look at. They they like I mentioned before, they've got uh, a various gag items that they've produced. And what they do is that the ones that are actually like popular and people who actually click on saying, "Hey, I want this," uh, they will sometimes make those into an actual item. So Livy got duped by one of these, and it was a dinosaur detecting device. And so it's literally like a shot glass that you fill with water and then there's a chart next to it that shows like how much the water is rippling is how close the T-Rex is to you. Uh, sadly not real, but we're hoping that that one will actually, you know, make it through and be produced. So that was a pretty good one as well. As a Trekkie, I'm in favor of the, uh, the Klingon alphabet magnets. I saw the that. refrigerator oh, magnets. That was and fantastic. That's, that's like, that's super easy to produce. That's just, oh, yeah. a li- that's just a licensing thing. And think geeks, got plenty of licensing with the the star the star trek franchise so yeah they've got some good stuff so good happy hope you had a happy april fools um sorry jay i know you were uh brutally brutally disappointed today but uh you know maybe there's a hope but that being said guys anything else before we go into shout outs no okie dokie so uh, my shout out is actually going to go to an anime that came out in 2009. It's a little bit older. It's called Summer Wars. Um, it's a little bit older, but it was really ahead of its time, so it actually holds up really well t- uh, today. Uh, the reason I bring it up is because it also features in its world um, a central kind of virtual world where a lot of the you know world and the country's uh, systems are built into it. So like their economy's built into it, their police system, their like health monitoring, everything is kind of built into this central world. And so it's in many ways a lot like Ready Player One. And it's it's a really good flick. Um, it probably pushes more towards the dangers on like an economic and like systemic uh, danger of having like a centralized system like that, where Ready Player One is more of like the dangers to society. But, you know, I think it is related enough that it's actually probably worth your time to go check it out. I think I rented it on Amazon Prime for like five bucks, if that. Um, I think it was pretty cheap. So definitely worth it. If you like Ready Player One, this is kind of in the same thread of thought and just kind of want to give a shout out because it is a good flick. Uh, Zell, you're up. I, I thought I thought that the April Fool's thing was our shout outs. It says shout out plus April Fool's. That's oh. the thing you do on top of it. Curse you. Um, I'm going to uh, curse at Pokey. As my shout out is is it's instead of a it's a it's a curse out. Um, Pokey, you suck. I thought this was a, okay. We already did this. Okay. The, I thought we already did the shout out. He, he thought he was ready the whole show. He was so excited. He's like, I'm good to go. I've got my shout out, and then he fails at the. Uh, yeah. So uh, my shout out is going to go. Uh, I found I I am slightly into uh, ASMR. Uh, if you don't know what that is, you should go look at it. It'll fucking change your it's life. It's awesome. Um, 
And somebody linked this to me, and uh, you find it on YouTube. It's uh, Lily Heron ASMR, and it's a series where she reads the Magic the Gathering comprehensive rule and does some ASMR from it. And I had no idea that I needed this, but holy shit, I need this. So that's my shit. Nate, I'm going to tell you something. You who also does ASMR videos? No shit. Jeff Bridges. What? What? Yeah. People send him stuff to read. He does it like in his Jeff Bridges voice. It's so relaxing. Like you can. I yeah. I'll tell you what. Peter Cullen does that too. And no you shit. have not. Yeah, you've not lived until you get a phone message from Optimus Prime. It, it, it's the shit. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, like, get serious. It's like uh like that was one of the coolest like. I want. I can't go into the story too much, but th- we we got Peter Cullen to uh, uh, send send a a message full Optimus Prime uh, to somebody, and, and it was fucking awesome. <laughs> That's pretty legit. Yeah, no, there's there's some real good ones out there, so definitely worth checking out and exploring. Because if you aren't familiar with ASMR, it doesn't work for everyone, but for those of you it does work for, it's badass, and there's some really good material okay, out there. Amazing. Yeah, yes. I think he calls them the sleeping tapes because um, they they are chill as hell, and people just send him stuff. Uh, but yes, Jay, you're up, man. Okay, I have a very special shout out to uh, w- one of the be- one of the most memed things of all time that is now a really, really, really bitching YouTube series. If you look up uh, Cobra Kai, the Karate Kid saga continues on YouTube Red. It's an original series on YouTube Red. You will absolutely, absolutely find it worth your time. So imagine that uh, the the lead kid from the Cobra Kai Dojo is now, you know, like a 50-year-old, like, ne'er-do-well, still living in uh, in whatever fictional, like, uh, L- L.A. suburb. Daniel LaRusso uh, is now a successful, like, car dealer owner. Uh, LaRusso Autos, and this is all, by the way, played by the actual original actors from Karate Kid. It details the the rise of, of the of the reinvention and the rise of the Cobra Kai Dojo, and uh, and the ongoing feud between these two iconic characters, and it is hilarious. Uh, very very well done, well acted, and fucking hilarious. Highly recommend you check it out on YouTube, Brett. I'm watching the trailer right now. It looks fantastic. Libby's it's got a, a YouTube Red it account, really so I'm, good. I'm doing this. It looks great. So that's good stuff. Yeah. My I, my, my other angry comment because I'll I'll do I'll do you know what I'll do a bait and I'll I'll rant at something for um uh for my shout out um YouTube Red. I don't mm-hmm. want you. I really don't. Stop freaking asking. Holy crud! Every other video. A banner at the top. Recommended YouTube Red videos. Would you like to try YouTube Red? No. No, I would not. That's it. Okay. Good stuff. You can't count that as a, as a shout out, by the way. It's, an actual yeah, it's, it's not retroactive. Yeah. No, you, you still have to, failed. You, you didn't claim it before you started the rant, so we can't give you credit for it. I'm sorry. Next time, though. I have faith in you, buddy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, we're good here. Um... You know, 
as usual, guys, if you want to be on the show, any topics you want us to cover, games you want us to play, let us know. All of our contact information is on biomass.net or biomass.com. Take your pick. And uh, thank you and have a good night. So see you next week. Bye.